Welcome to EPRI Unplugged, the podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Amy Mills. Today's topic may be somewhat familiar to our frequent listeners. We previously tackled the topic of augmented reality in discussing how the phenomenon of Pokemon Go made the idea of AR relevant to the general public. In this episode, we're diving a little bit deeper to consider the impact of interoperability on the deployment of augmented reality. Here to help us decode the topic of industry standards are John Simmons, EPRI Technical Executive with Information Communication Technology, and Christine Perret, a consultant and advisor on augmented reality strategies and tactics and author of the new report in collaboration with EPRI in May 2017. John, Christine, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having Happy us. Happy to be here. John, I'm going to start with you for a broad definition of what we're talking about, and Christine, feel free to jump in. But when we, we're talking about augmented reality, what is it? At, at a broad, high level, what are we talking about? Sure. My favorite definition of augmented reality is anything that augments reality. And I, I know you're not supposed to use the word in the definition, but this is probably the best definition I've ever seen about what something does. It Augmented reality changes and elevates your perception of reality by adding sight and sound and smell and touch cues to provide you with extra context to your environment. To give you an example, um, you know, an experienced field field worker can go out to a, a site and they may know um, where they are and and they may be able to look up and, and if they're experienced, be able to tell what kind of conductor is overhead. But imagine adding information to that, like allowing them to, I'm using air quotes, see around curves or over the horizon to the nearest protective device or see which way the current is flowing or to see the history of the asset they're working on. That just, you know, adds to their perception of the world in a, in a positive way. So augmenting reality is exactly what we're talking about. And, John, you did a great job of using some use cases, examples of how augmented reality can, can bring new value to people in power and energy. In our uh, report, we, um, we give some detailed explanations of uh, about 10 different use cases that are very general. For example, using augmented reality for skills training so people can try to do things in the real world with the assistance of a kind of a, a digital guide that's overlaying the real world, whatever that is, a, 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 a pump station or um, some uh, sophisticated piece of equipment. Now, people don't need augmented reality for everything that they do in the physical world, but when, when things get complicated, um, you gave the example of assets that are hidden, maybe hidden underground. Uh, things that are invisible, uh, it can really bring new value and improve people's efficiencies. Exactly. And what we're seeing is dramatic increases in efficiency and dramatic drops in error rates. We're seeing the ability for people who have, are just touching an asset for the first time to be able to go in and do complex repairs or configurations of those assets. And, and have them do it without without any serious problems or mistakes. And, and that's what people can do with today's technology, which we know is not uh, at its full maturity. Uh, our technologies for augmented reality are very complex and make use of other technology components like big data and artificial intelligence. 
When these other technologies and capabilities mature, uh, augmented reality will provide even more um, uh, context-sensitive visualization, and our systems will be more connected to one another. So AR is like the the last thing that ha- that you'll the, the workplace uh, is enhanced with AR because we have all these sophisticated back-end systems. The information will be delivered to a person on an individual basis based on where they are, like you uh, suggested before, their role, their rights, their responsibilities, the work order that they have, um, much more fine-grained and customized. Yeah, augmented reality is really kind of bringing together and tying in a lot of the technologies APRI has been working on for years or even decades across all four sectors. And it's really great to see people from different sectors at EPRI working together on on kind of a, a single technology that really bears out the fact that we do have a lot of things in common. Clearly some very practical applications for this. And let's transition from there into the more complex idea of the standards and interoperability with standards being what will ultimately enable this open exchange of information. So let's start with interoperability. What does that mean? Well, it, it sounds like such a simple concept, and it is. Just like John said before, augmented reality is the ability of two or more devices, either from the same vendor or different vendors, to exchange information. Interoperability, the way we're thinking about it and we use it in our report, is really centered on information, that it can be transmitted and used correctly um, without uh, translation and potential for errors and and delays. So interoperability has a lot to do with the information flow. I mentioned the back-end systems, databases, work order systems, content management systems, and already a a lot of standards uh, that we use to uh, define information, to, to categorize information, to transmit it, standards around networks, to, to communicate information from one place where it's stored to another where it needs to be used. I think the concept of interoperability is also closely tied to interchangeability, and that's something that is uh, very familiar, I would hope, for people in, in power and energy. Interchangeability is the ability to replace one component with another, uh, maybe from a different manufacturer or the same manufacturer, without affecting any any of the software, any of the information types that go into, uh, into a system. It usually requires that the components share an interface, um, a software interface, an information management interface, and a physical interface for that matter, uh, so that it's um, interchangeable. And I think interoperability, interchangeability are, are are two very important concepts that we we believe, we believe AR uh, can enhance and and needs to um, adopt. A- AR systems have to be interoperable with our existing information systems. And again, this is nothing really new for for the Information Communication Technology Group. We've been working on on enhancing interoperability for decades trying to develop and flesh out standards like the Common Information Model, IEC 61850, Open ADR, and and a lot of other standards at at various levels of the stack to uh, bring about the ability to be interoperable and ultimately that interchangeability that Christine talked about. And let's talk some more about the standards. What is the tie back and why are they so important to this process? 
there, there are, um, the reason that standards are important is because they come about through typically, not always, but typically they come out about through some t- type of cooperation. Stakeholders from different parts uh, of, of a chain of information or a chain of, uh, of tasks get together and uh, cooperate and ultimately agree and codify their agreements into a specification, which is then published and becomes a standard. I think standards are the reflection of this cooperation, collaboration programs um, under many, many different auspices. Many different standards organizations are involved in, in developing standards, many different focus groups, work groups, and so forth. There's a lot of pre-standardization activity that has to happen to identify the stakeholders, what their requirements are. And I think, uh, John, you've been involved in some pre-standardization as well as standardization activities. Yeah, like I said, um, our group at at EPRI, the ICT group, has been involved for for decades. Um, I've been mainly involved with the Common Information Model, uh, which is a semantic model that is a, a, a semantic standard, which is um, everybody coming together and agreeing on words and the meaning of words. And that makes the messaging uh, to and from devices and systems and people possible. Without that, um, as you said, Christine, you have to have, have all these complicated translators and, and whatnot. And when one piece breaks, it really devastates the whole system. So it's, it's semantic standards and, and the other standards that people in my group uh, work on really are our stepping stones to that interoperability, interchangeability ideal that we see down the road. And a little history might be helpful here as well. Um, and Christine, you've been working on issues surrounding AR interoperability for more than seven years. Tell us how you've gone about this. Sure. When I realized in 2009 that that um, there were going to be many, many different formats, data formats, and information sources for augmented reality, I saw that this could be a, a really big barrier to adoption. So I started to meet with people in organizing meetings uh, where we could discuss interoperability as a barrier. And really quickly, we discovered there were a lot of standards, dozens of standards organizations. They started showing up at these meetings and contributing and discussing, trying to figure out what the requirements are so that they could adapt their existing standards to the needs of AR developers and AR users. We met for um, about five years, and many people got to know one another better. The standards organization started to build these bridges between them, and uh, I have also participated in standards developments in in many different standards bodies uh, to learn what they have to offer AR and to share with people in those standards organizations what AR developers uh, are looking for. And quite frankly, a lot of AR developers and AR systems companies have not been looking for standards. Um, they work more in, uh, in an isolated environment where they can control many factors. They don't want to be constrained by uh, certain data formats or they want to they want to optimize their systems and get them running as best they can before beginning to um, compromise perhaps or cooperate with um, their customers or their competitors 
So it's been a long road, and I think that now a lot of people are aware of the need for interoperability, and we have more conversations happening in parallel. It's very healthy. And, John, you actually participated in some of those meetings as well. What was that experience like for you? Uh, well, first of all, I was overwhelmed by the, the number of standards, but when you stop to think about it, you know, you're talking about standards for the way things appear in front of you and and the way that uh, systems internal to the to the whole uh, AR software interact with each other. So it was a bit daunting, and uh, I leaned a lot on Christine to kind of explain to me and give me context and historical uh, information on where these standards were coming from and and uh, how they all fit together. And and part of the Part of the uh, incentive for writing our report, which is uh, Enterprise Augmented Reality Vision Interoperability Requirements and Standards Landscape, is that um, if it was daunting for for me kind of coming into this brave new world, it's got to be daunting for just about everybody because we're, none of us have kind of grown up, you know, inside the bubble the way Christine has. We're all trying to trying to penetrate the bubble and wrap our heads around everything that's needed. And let's define daunting. How many standards are actually out there? Well, depends on out there for what purpose. Um, there are thousands of standards, uh, only a few hundred that could be relevant for augmented reality. You know, I think it's really challenging to talk about this because um, Standards, the specifications themselves and the work that goes into developing those uh, can be very high, uh, some, sometimes less so, but involve a lot of people, sometimes over a period of many years. And people have the impression that standards are slow, uh, that they cause delays. Um, and I think part of that is the lack of um, of customer requirements. Sometimes those who are developing the standards are working with a low awareness, low contact with the customers. John's participation in, in standards activities is very valuable because he's speaking on behalf of, of an industry of customers for augmented reality. So his perspective is, is extremely meaningful and, and helps to narrow down which standards are really necessary, which might be superfluous. And it really doesn't matter if you have a specification if the vendors have not implemented it. So there's a tremendously difficult and long cycle of education after a standard is even developed to educate uh, the vendors about the benefits, how to implement these in their products and services. So it's it's a challenging uh, road. <laughs> so uh, it's a... Um, an opportunity, really, uh, for us all to to discuss better the requirements and the solutions. This um, project that we did, the research project and the report, allowed me to analyze where interoperability could exist, created a interoperability framework, um, and then I, I put the different standards that I'd identified into this framework to show um, where where they could address some some requirements. The framework was developed on the basis of the GridWise interoperability framework. There are um, frameworks for for lots of different types of information transfer. Um, 
John suggested that I, I look at this, and I found that it was very interesting to have a, uh, the basis for something that's already accepted and, and in place in power and energy industry uh, as the basis for the AR interoperability framework. Probably worth mentioning as well that this report is unique and that it's the first time that we've collected and cataloged all of the standards relevant to interoperable augmented reality in a public document. So this is really a uh, kind of a hallmark publication in that regard. What is the benefit of having all of these AR standards summarized in one document? I think the benefit uh, arises from being able to, to survey what we've done and to say that, you know, this particular standard is of interest to me. I need to participate in the standards activities. So we're hoping it's it's like adding fertilizer to uh, to a garden and it helps make the standards grow uh, much more quickly, even though there are different plants in the garden. Uh, there's a thousand different plants and a thousand different standards, and only a few of them are going to pertain to you. So we don't want the reader to get overwhelmed by the number of standards because Ultimately, they may only be involved in two or three, but it's great to have those as much as we could at the time, get them all in one place. Yeah, John, I think another aspect is just exactly what you're speaking about, educating people on what's available now so we can identify the gaps. What's what's not been been defined? Where is interoperability needed, but there's not a clear uh, path to making that interoperability happen. That's another benefit to laying them all out there in this consistent fashion. Another is so that people can come into the discussion discussions that they need to have with their vendors, uh, with their service providers, in a more um, you know specific way. Instead of saying, I just need it to be interoperable. That's very generalizable, and you can't execute on that. By having these details, you could pull out the details. A customer can pull out these details and go and say to the provider of some wearable device or a content management system and say, I need these specifications to be implemented in your products. Come back to me when you're ready with those those standards-compliant products, and I'll be more happier customer. So I think that the specificity in getting into the details is useful when you can turn that into a, a, a discussion about specific products, specific services, and the results that you need. And these, the standards that we catalog aren't just or exclusively for the utility industry. They're for all of the all of the uh, verticals in every industry, in every segment that, that you can think of. And that really uh, helps to, you know, enhance our public benefit mission. We're not just, we're not just using this to, to help the electric utilities. We're, we're really helping the entire world uh, develop this technology, which has got tremendous potential with this kind of a document. When you've both done a great job in explaining how this is such a complex issue, in the end, what's involved in making interoperability a reality? A lot of hard work. <laughs> and I, I, I agree, but there's also, um, I think that the customers, the people who are working within 
population day in, day out, who need to reduce errors, speed up the time it takes to do, perform tasks, especially those complex tasks and the, the rare ones that you don't run into very often, you know, that unique pole out there or, or the specific piece of equipment you haven't seen in 40 years, um, that's rare. Uh, but uh, being able to put interoperability as a serious requirement on our, our, uh, our suppliers is, is going to take um, a, a significant effort, a, a concerted effort, and EPRI is, is clearly showing the way uh, on that road and, and, and leading, leading the discussions. I think our next steps and what we, what we need to do is bring people together to uh, continue to improve the interoperability framework, to prioritize the interfaces. We can't do everything all at once, so we're going to need to discuss which ones need to come first and, um, and incentivize our suppliers to, to respond and, and make standards and interoperability a priority. And Amy, I think, I think we want to, again, mention the, the title and the, and the product ID number. Uh, this is, was a TI project, so it's Program on Technology Innovation, Enterprise Augmented Reality Vision, Interoperability Requirements and Standard Landscapes, and the product ID is 300-201-0514. And you can find that report by going to epri.com and entering it in the search field, uh, either the title or the product ID, and that will pop up. It is a publicly available document. Well, John and Christine, thank you so much for your time today. This was a very interesting discussion. Thank you, thank Amy. Thank you, Amy. Until next time, we're shaping the future of electricity.